Hi there, this is the Athletic Transfer Daily Podcast. It is January the 8th. Adam Leventhal here as your host today. Let's get going. Every weekday throughout the January transfer window, we are here to bring you insight from our dedicated team of expert reporters on specific teams in the Premier League and beyond as well. And we'll be discussing the workings of the window behind the scenes. On today's show, we're joined by Jack Pitt-Brook to talk about Tottenham's movements under Mourinho, a few other topics as well, including emerging talent, Jose's backroom team too. Uh, We'll also be getting updates on Everton, Aston Villa, Manchester United, Leeds, uh, plus I'll throw in a bit of Watford into the mix as well, just for good measure. Okay, let's uh, bring in Jack now. Great to have you with us. Um, We'll talk specifics of uh, Spurs in a moment, but just in general terms, do do you feel that January is a a time of distraction or, or useful for most Premier League clubs? Hi, Adam. Honestly, I think it's a distraction. I don't think it's a good time to spend a lot of money. I think that some most clubs who spend money in January do so out of desperation uh, rather than going and getting the right players who they actually need. Uh, I spoke to one agent this morning who told me he thinks this window is a waste of time. Clubs don't really buy the right players. They often throw money thinking that they can find a new striker who might get them an extra few goals to keep them up. But I don't think it's really a time where we see especially good moves because the best, you know, the good clubs don't sell good players halfway through the season. Obviously, you're main focus and you have a podcast as well the view from the lane is uh, is Tottenham amongst many other things that you do for for the athletic incidentally you can listen to that podcast on your usual uh, podcast supplier also via the the athletic app as well um and many Spurs fans have got in touch uh, Spurs compendium uh, CX1 Mark Denner all on this topic will some of the summer money go on new signings because of a well growing list of injuries at the moment at Tottenham? Honestly, I wouldn't be too optimistic as a Spurs fan about this. Um, from Speaking to a contact this morning told me that he doesn't really think that Spurs have got the funds to buy the players that they might need in January. They might go for a loan signing in midfield to cover injuries. Like, as you know, uh, Musa Sissoko's now got a, a long-term knee injury. He'll be out for a few months. Uh, T- Tangi and Dombele's not really been fit. There have been questions over the future of Christian Eriksen, of course, and the settling in of Giovanni Lo Celso. So it might be that they go for a short-term loan in January rather than a signing. There's plenty of midfielders they'd like. You know, Jose Mourinho is a big fan of Bruno Fernandes at Sporting Lisbon, just as Mauricio Pochettino was before him. But Bruno Fernandes would cost the best part of 70 million euros. And then I don't think they can afford that. And even if they sell Christian Eriksen, they might be able to see if they can bring the price down. But... I wouldn't be holding out for Tottenham to spend big on a midfielder this month. Do you think that that was also part of the the agreement between Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho, that he came in knowing that he wasn't going to be able to spend? Or do you think it's it's the other way around, that he will be expecting to? And then if he doesn't, we could see, well, a, a sort of a classic Jose Mourinho situation where he starts to sort of have his nose out of joint very, very early. That's a really, really good question. And it's one that I spend a lot of time thinking about because... It doesn't really make sense to me that you would bring in a manager as famous as Mourinho on the sort of salary he would command and then not be able to find any extra money for transfers. I mean, clearly they're pushing the boat out a bit. Uh, They've just given Toby Alderweireld a very big new deal of the sort they wouldn't normally give to a player of his age. So there, there must be money there. But 
clearly there isn't enough money to go and buy big names in January, perhaps because Daniel Levy knows that now isn't the best time to get value. Um, where, how happy with this Mourinho would be? Well, let's wait and see. But the prospects for Spurs drastically improving their squad this month, I think, are unlikely. I mean, you mentioned Toby Alderweireld there about you know his new contract. Obviously, his central defensive partner, Jan Vertonghen, uh, is also someone who's uh, sort of touch and go in terms of where his future lies. I mean, often the January transfer window can also uh, provide players an opportunity to, well, sort of negotiate their hand and get themselves a, a new contract. Do you think that that's something that uh, applies to, to Jan Vertonghen? I think Jan will sign a new deal. I think this has been a priority of Mourinho since he arrived, was sorting out the futures of Ericsson, Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Uh, Ericsson has told Mourinho that he won't be signing a new deal. Toby has signed a new deal. I think Jan will eventually get done. There's some haggling at the moment over the length of the contract, but I think he's happy at Tottenham. Uh, his family are settled here, and he's Mourinho likes having these kind of big, experienced players he can build around. And Vertonghen, you know, he's not as quick as he was, Certainly, he's been exposed once or twice, but I do think Spurs are better off with him than without him. So I, I do think that one will get done. And just on on Christian Eriksen, uh, Rigo Hassani has asked a question uh, about him. Is it definitely off the table? I'm going to sound like I'm talking about Brexit here, but is it definitely off the table that he could stay? I think it's off the table that he could sign a new deal. Uh, I I would be I would be so shocked if that were to happen. I think he, I think he has totally made his mind up not to sign a new deal, and there is no prospect of an agreement on that. Um, he could stay until the end of the season. Uh, obviously, as a free transfer in the summer, he would be able to command a bigger salary. I think I think that's more or less been his his plan since uh, the failure to get a move last summer, which was of course what he wanted. Will, will he go this January? I don't know. I think, um, so I heard over the weekend, and this is, has been reported elsewhere, that Inter Milan, uh, Antonio Conte's team, are the new favourites for him. I think they're very, very keen on, on him, more so than, say, Juventus or Real Madrid or Barcelona, uh, who Ericsson was more interested in going to in the past. Um, will, I don't know whether they'll bring forward the money to do it this month. I think Spurs would like the cash to spend if they could sell him this month. But from Ericsson's perspective, you you know, you command more money as a free transfer than you do as a January transfer. And that's why I think he might want to dig in till the summer, at which point, say, Paris Saint-Germain might come into play as well. Um, so I think he I, I think it's likelier that he will stay until the end of the season, but by no means certain. I did hear the other week that some Spurs players are expecting him to go in January, but I cannot see him still being at the club next year. One other topic on um, people's lips, Mike Halpin has sent in a question regarding Jose bringing in an assistant, uh, Luis Campos, who's at Lille at the moment. Is that a, a top priority for Jose at the moment? Is it is it maybe something that he's thinking will, will improve matters? Because it hasn't been uh, the best of starts, has it? The most uh, uh, strong of starts at Tottenham. Yeah, so Luis Campos is an interesting guy. He's the director of football at Lille. Uh, having previously held the same job at Monaco, where he built the fantastic team there. He's got a very close relationship with Jorge Mendes, uh, knows Mourinho very well. I think Mourinho would like to have Campos with him at Tottenham. Um, Tottenham obviously don't have a director of football as such at the moment. They have Chief Scout Steve Hitchin. But as far as I know, I 
don't think this would happen unless Lille were to agree to it. So Mourinho took João Sacramento, his number two, from Lille when he was appointed, as well as another member of his coaching staff. And unless Tottenham and Lille can come to an arrangement over Campos, then I, I think Campos will stay in France. OK, so probably players are the, the priority at the moment, especially for uh, for Spurs fans. They'd like to see some, some reinforcements. This is an interesting one, uh, and it popped up on the Zonal Marking podcast from, from Michael Cox, uh, discussing a, a possible option for Spurs, the former Arsenal striker, Olivier Giroud, who's now at Chelsea. Have a listen to this. I floated the idea of Olivier Giroud. Two years ago, I, I said I thought he would make a a great signing for Chelsea and, and two weeks later they promptly went out and bought him. I mean, they do need someone like that. They don't need a a replacement for Kane. They need a replacement for Llorente. As I said before, I think Spurs really nailed it last season in terms of their uh, their plan B. Without him, they had Son as the, the wide forward and Llorente as the target man. So they need the target man. Giroud is a player who desperately needs minutes ahead of the Euros because there's a good chance that he, slightly amazingly, still <laughs> will be leading the line for France. But that probably won't happen if he's you know, third choice really at uh, at Chelsea, and that's assuming they don't bring anyone else in. So it's a kind of move that would make sense. Obviously, there's difficulties in terms of uh, Chelsea and Spurs don't have a great relationship. Obviously, Giroud is a is a former Arsenal player, might be a bit controversial to go to Spurs, but he's uh, yeah. I think Giroud should just be treated as a kind of freelance plan B. <laughs> but yeah, it, it would make sense because it's such a specific role to play and I think you need someone not just with the technical and physical qualities but also the mentality. So it would make sense according to Michael Cox. Would it make sense, do you think? Yeah, I do. Um we were talking on our podcast earlier this week about how frustrated Mourinho must be that Spurs lost Fernando Llorente given Kane's been injured and given that Mourinho likes to play this quite direct style with long balls up to a target man. And obviously without Kane, he can't do that. If he still had Llorente, he could do that. So Giroud would be perfect. I don't know whether, I don't know what Spurs fans would think of that. But, and I don't know whether Chelsea would want to let him go to the team they're competing with for fourth place. But on a te- on a sort of tactical level, I totally agree with Michael. I think Giroud would be perfect for what Tottenham need right now and what Mourinho w- would probably be looking for. OK, let's uh, leave Tottenham for a moment. I'm sure we will have uh, a few uh, more questions to ask of you on that subject in a moment's time, Jack. But let's just concentrate on Manchester United. Uh, and it was a season-low performance, according to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, against their city rivals, Manchester City. Let's just get an update on where they stand and what they are going to do uh, from Laurie Whitwell. Hi guys, yes, so there's been some uh, developments on Ashley Young's situation since we last spoke on the Transfer Podcast. Um, Inter Milan are now in advanced talks with his representatives over a deal. It would either be um, a deal that takes him from United right now, in which case there'd be a nominal fee, or he'd leave on a free when his contract expires in the summer. Solskjaer has said that he wants players in rather than uh, for allowing players to leave and his squad to be weakened, but clearly there's efforts on both sides to find a resolution fairly quickly. Um, I'm told that there are other clubs that have held talks with Ashley Young's representatives in Europe, which kind of shows the esteem that he's held in um, outside of United. He, I think, is at a point now where he wants a resolution um, pretty quickly. There's definitely a lot of work going on behind the scenes to try and get deals done. We've discussed midfield options previously. Clearly, it's a massive area that United need to strengthen in. One extra name to throw into consideration is, is Sol Niguez. Um, I know he's been tracked for uh, quite a long time, um, 
and in fact the story goes back to the David Moyes era to show just how long um, so when Moyes was in charge a scout did recommend Niguez because he was available for about 8 million euros um, at the time uh, now the structure just after Ferguson had left uh, wasn't the best um, in terms of the chain of, of command I suppose and apparently that got stuck and by the time it reached Moyes it was too late and he wasn't particularly keen um, but certainly Sonneguez would be one to watch because he's, he is you know, very much on United's radar. Well Jack it wasn't long ago that we were talking about Christian Eriksen potentially heading to Old Trafford I suppose that's a, a potential uh, avenue for him but it's looking less likely if he wants to be playing in the, in, in the Champions League. Um, What's your feeling on, on what's going on at Old Trafford and the reluctance, it seems, to, to, to really act in this window? Well, I thought they were terrible last night. Uh, they've lost, I think, seven out of their last ten games to Manchester City at Old Trafford. And I thought last night was the worst performance of the lot. City should have scored six or seven or eight goals in that game. Um, clearly, they need more more players. They need, especially in midfield, that midfield was awful yesterday. But I think it's... It's much, much bigger than that. It's the manager, it's the ownership, it's the lack of director of football, it's the lack of a winning culture. Like, the problems at Manchester United are so broad and deep that I don't, even if they were to spend 100, 200 million on midfielders this month, they probably wouldn't get very much. If they spent that money in the summer, they could probably get some very good players in. But I think the rot is so deep there that it's actually unfixable in the transfer market. Okay, that is strong. Unfixable. According to Jack Pitbrook, what do you think about that, Manchester United fans? Do get get in touch. Um, Obviously, they do have a lot of young players at Manchester United, and that is uh, one positive. And I wanted to ask you about one of the articles that you wrote for The Athletic, um, which was called Stars of the Future. Um, And one of the players which you featured in that, which was looking at the sort of the next generation of young players, and there seems to be a sort of a, a rising pool of talent, uh, was Louis Barry, who left West Brom, then went out to uh, Barcelona, where he is now. And he's being linked with a move back to the Premier League, potentially uh, to Aston Villa. I mean, what, what's your view on how younger players now, who are maybe in academies at English clubs, are viewing where their next best step is? We are seeing increasingly young players in England deciding that their best step would be abroad. I think Jadon Sancho has had a huge impact on this ever since he went to Borussia Dortmund in 2017. And there are a few of those guys in that England under-17s group, along with Louis Barry, have decided to go abroad. I mean, it seems as if Barry's Barry's time at Barcelona might not last very long. But there's Jamal Musiala, who's just left Chelsea to go to Bayern Munich. Uh, Noah Ohio at RB Leipzig. There's tons of interest. If you go to an England under-17s game or a Premier League under-18s game, there'll be so many scouts there from the big German and Spanish sides because they've the German and Spanish sides have realised that uh, E-triple-P means that the English academies are producing te- teenage players of a very, very high athletic and technical level. Um, so these players are having much more options, really, in terms of their career paths rather than just having to stay at the big English academies waiting for a game. But do you think that uh, you know, younger players now, having seen what happened uh, at Chelsea and what is happening at Chelsea with younger players being given a chance, do you think that, that that natural step to go abroad because the chances aren't happening here might sort of dissipate over the over the sort of coming six months, maybe a year, and they might think, well, actually, I might get a chance because it seems to be more attractive at the moment? That's a really good question. Honestly, I don't know. Um, 
I think players will have to wait and see how the Chelsea experiment goes, whether other clubs follow suit. Like where you know, English young English players are getting go at Arsenal at the moment, which is great to see. Uh, Manchester City played Phil Foden and Taylor Harwood Bellis in the FA Cup against Port Vale on Saturday. But I do think in general, if you're a young English player, I can totally see why you might think you'd have a better pathway to first team football in the Bundesliga, for example, than in the Premier League. So I think I think English players will continue to pursue that option for a while. Okay, Jack, um, let's just uh, cross over to a couple of our other reporters who have uh, been able to bring us up to date with some some transfer lines. Let's uh, check in, first of all, uh, with Phil Hay, who covers Leeds for us on their search for a striker and also for a young keeper. Word coming from Italy that the club are getting close to signing a goalkeeper. Very, very impressed with Ilan Meslier during the, the FA Cup game at Arsenal on Monday and, and as expected are, are now very much planning to, to back Meslier um, as first choice if and when Kiko Casilla serves a ban for, for the racism charge which he's facing with the Football Association. And there was some suggestion that Leeds might go for a for experienced cover for Meslier just in case he, he proved to be out of his depth. But they're, they're so convinced by him now that they're, they're in for a, an 18-year-old um, with Kievo in Italy um, by the name of Elia Capriel. Um, young keeper who, who hasn't played for Kievo at first team level and is, is in with the youth squads at the moment, but is seen as a, as a very good prospect and, and somebody who the club would like to get into the, the 23s um, in this window. So potential for him to come in uh, and potential for Leeds to push that through before uh, the end of the week. Uh, elsewhere in the market, still on with, with Che Adams. He is the first choice striker target for them. He is the player that they want. And still some confidence at Ellen Road that they can get, get him out of Southampton and, and get him here for the second half of the season. But they're not the only club who are interested. My understanding is that West Brom and, and Nottingham Forest are, are also keen. Uh, and equally, uh, not too much enthusiasm at the Southampton end for, for him to go, uh, given the fact that he's been involved recently. So they're going to have to take a view on this, Leeds. They're either going to have to to stick with this one uh, and wait for a while, potentially till the back end of the window, or, or look to other targets if it doesn't seem to be moving. So that's the situation at Leeds. Uh, I wanted to definitely point you in the direction of an article which uh, is out for you right now on Everton. It's fascinating about the the dressing room uh, reaction after the defeat in the Merseyside derby from uh, Paddy Boyland and also Greg O'Keefe. Here is Paddy with a little bit more on that. It's certainly been a, a busy and intriguing few days for the for the blue half of Merseyside, and and on Monday we saw a, a transfer summit between Carlo Ancelotti and, and director of football Marcel Brands, where the the high profile pair discussed plans for the next month and and beyond. We understand that Everton have promised to back Ancelotti as much as they can do in the transfer market, and and did so when Ancelotti sought assurances before joining the club, but. Everton are also mindful of financial fair play regulations at the moment and are on course to register what we believe to be record losses. So uh, the suggestion is, at the moment at least, that the summer will be busier as far as incomings are concerned, but they'll also see if they can this month improve the squad in, in core positions, if it's kind of financially achievable and clear what they can do off the, the wage bill in time for the summer too. To that end, Cenk Tosin, the striker from Turkey, could well be on his way to Crystal Palace until the end of the season, provided Everton can get the right financial package for the striker. Tosin has fallen down the pecking order and is, is clear that he wants more game time ahead of this summer's European Championships. He wants to stay in England, ideally, and representatives have off, offered him to Aston Villa as well. 
There's also interest from Turkey and Germany, but at, at this moment in time, our understanding is Palace is the clearest option at this stage, um, and he's nearing a move there. Two others that could leave either during January or in the summer are Umar Nias and Kuko Martina. If Everton do that, they'll free up yet more space on, on the wage bill for a renewed assault on the, the transfer market over the summer. Earlier this week, we, we brought a link with Everton and Gedson Fernandez of, of Benfica, um, highly rated young midfielder who West Ham are currently leading the chase for. I'd be very surprised at this moment in time if Everton turned that deal around and managed to, to pip West Ham to the post there. We also reported on Wednesday morning that Duncan Ferguson, the assistant manager, read the riot act to Everton's players after a quite galling FA Cup defeat to a severely weakened Liverpool side on Sunday. Some senior figures disagreed with Ferguson over allegations there was a lack of work ethic. They believe it was down to some kind of tactical issues, some technical issues, and just the fact that they didn't perform as well as Liverpool on the day. More on that story, uh, as well as the build-up to Saturday's league game against Brighton, over on the Athletics Everton page. Greg Evans here, the Aston Villa reporter. There's still plenty going on at the club, following on from the signing of Danny Drinkwater from Chelsea yesterday. Uh, you can read all about that deal on the Athletic app in the story I wrote on Tuesday. Villa were locked in negotiations with Chelsea for some time and were eventually able to strike a deal after the London club relaxed their demands, which initially saw them asking Villa to cover all of Drinkwater's £110,000 per week wages. Villa certainly won't be stopping there, and are now looking at as many as three new signings. Bostine Smith ideally would like two new strikers, ideally with Premier League experience. If they are to get Olivier Giroud, of course, who was identified as the top target from Chelsea, they will now have to buy him on a permanent deal. Glenn Murray is still an option for that second striker and there are also other strikers around Europe under consideration. Also, former Liverpool goalkeeper Pepe Reina is a goalkeeper target. He's currently the understudy at AC Milan and may be open to a move if Villa are to pursue that one. We'll have a final word from Jack in a moment, um, but I did just want to react to some of the questions that have uh, been sent in regarding Watford, because obviously that's my patch. Uh, Neil Silverstein asks about likely defensive replacements. Um, my understanding at the moment is that they will bring in a centre-back if they can uh, bring in someone who they feel is an upgrade on Christian Cabaselli or Craig Cathcart, and they feel that they have uh, enough backup for those two players with Craig Dawson, Adrian Mariapa, uh, also Sebastian Prodel as well. And the situation uh, regarding a left back, which was mooted at the beginning of the transfer window, uh, has taken a little bit of a twist because Kiko Femenia has done so well in that position. Usually he's a right back, but he's been playing as a left back. And I think that they feel uh, that the narrative has now changed a bit. And unless something exceptional crops up uh, that uh, there may not be any incomings but you do never know uh, with Watford one other quick question plans for Tom Deli Bashiro who uh, left Manchester City and joined Watford uh, Duncan Radband asks about him uh, is he likely to go out on loan as well uh, Domingos Tina who I wrote an article about uh, is also mentioned in that sort of loan bracket. Uh, and I think it really depends on how bodies return to the Watford squad in terms of uh, Tom Cleverley, whether Will Hughes stays fit as well. So I think that's one to watch over January. Now, final word um, from Jack. Uh, in terms of your sort of your hopes for Tottenham, do, do you feel after a sort of a turbulent time 
over the, the new year and festive period that things are going to settle down or, or are you already getting a little bit worried? I'm not very optimistic at the moment about Spurs just because they're not playing very well. Kane's out until March, Sissoko's out until April. I don't think that they're going to improve the squad that much in January. So it's putting an awful lot of faith in Jose Mourinho's ability to squeeze even more out of these players. And I don't know, when Mourinho showed up, I thought he would push them into fourth. But now you'd have to say it's probably looking slightly unlikely that they'll do that. It might be that this season they have to focus on the Cups and then get in more players for next season and then go again next year in the Premier League. We shall see. I'm sure it'll be an interesting ride, whatever happens uh, with Jose Mourinho in charge. Jack, thanks very much for coming on today. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll check in with you uh, once again during this transfer window. Thanks very much. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Jack, thank you very much indeed. Just to uh, mention, we've got loads of questions on Liverpool and we will aim to get to those tomorrow uh, when I return. So that is uh, the Athletic Transfer Daily for today. Make sure that you subscribe for free to the Ornstein and Chapman podcast feed. Uh, This is where you're going to be finding us throughout the transfer window this month. I will have a new episode every afternoon from Monday to Friday. And for full access to all of the articles from uh, Jack, uh, from myself, from everyone on The Athletic, uh, you can subscribe for a 40% discount by using the promo code UKPOD right now. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. 